Copper Shores Community Health Foundation is proud to introduce you to Do Good Volunteer of the Month, Jen Shad. When it comes to equipment loans of the CUNA, Jen does just about everything. Funding, paperwork, marketing, organizing, and participating. Jen has dedicated hours and hours of her life to the cause of bringing adaptive sports opportunities to the copper country. The good she has brought into people's lives is immense. If you know an incredible volunteer like Jen, go to coppershores.org slash do good and nominate them to be recognized as the next Do Good in the Copper Country Volunteer of the Month. Again, good Sunday morning and welcome to Copper Country Today. I'm Todd Van Dyke. Our program is brought to you by the Copper Shores Community Health Foundation. You can learn more about them at phfgive.org. We're getting into the winter season. We're getting close to the holiday season. And I thought it'd be a good idea to bring in Carol Corpola from Little Brothers Friends of the Elderly because they have a couple of things that are ongoing now and a couple of other big um, dinner things that are just around the corner. So Carol, welcome to the program. It's good to have you here. Thanks for inviting me. The first thing that we want to talk about, I think, and I know that this is kind of an urgent need for you, you have done a great expansion over the last few years with your medical transportation program. And to transport these folks, you need drivers. Yes. So our medical transportation program is a direct service that we've been providing in the community since we started 40 years ago. And so this is something where it's a it's something that's needed but during covid you know we we lost some drivers where um our our driver pool has really diminished and we're working really hard at rebuilding that driver pool well and it's certainly as you said an essential thing because we have so many of our seniors here in the copper country we've talked about this with little brothers over the years that are essentially alone family had to move away to get jobs in other areas mom and dad still here maybe just mom maybe just dad still here and all of a sudden you've got that doctor's appointment and the doctor says by the way you can't drive home from this <laughs> and, all that, and and you need some help well the thing is is that as family moves away not only are they don't have transportation from family or friends maybe but also they don't have public transportation people in Houghton and Hancock have the luxury of of the city buses yes but when you live out in Tapiola um, or in Amik, you're, you're limited with what your transportation options are. And it's not a short drive from some of those places. It's not like you can necessarily say, hey, neighbor, can you spare five minutes of your time to drop me off at the doctor's office? Exactly. And so, um, you know, the, our community is so generous and neighbors helping neighbors, but people have to work. They don't have their days available when our elderly friends have to get to the doctors. So we're available. We're here in the community to drive elders to their doctor appointments, but, um, but we need people who can help us do that. Now, do your people also serve as like checkout people? If I had to go to the hospital, say for a procedure that the hospital said, uh, somebody is going to have to sign you back out and take responsibility for you when you leave. Can your people fill that role? That's a great question. We cannot. Okay. We cannot take the responsibility. Um, we, we are friends. We're not caregivers. And also, we can't commit the, the time frame that would be required for somebody to stay with that person for a period of time. Okay, so that's something that still has to be handled uh, separately yes. from this. Now, if I were to have some spare time and want to volunteer, what kind of a commitment are you asking me to make? Well, ideally that you could drive um, at least once a week. 
Um, but we're flexible, even if you can only drive a couple of times a month, if you can drive numerous times a week. Um, every volunteer is different. Um, maybe you can only commit to Mondays. We will work with you. And, and that's why the bigger the volunteer pool, the, the more um, options that you have for, for your level of commitment. And obviously, some trips are longer than others. Some folks uh, live in Hancock, have to go to UP Health System. It's just a few blocks. But some people may have to go to Marquette. Exactly. So we that's a good point. We do regional transportation. So we'll take people from um, this area, also from the Bear Gallants area, to Marquette, to our regional hospital there and back. And so those are longer days. So if you have a, a day to commit to that, that's a very necessary need. And then I should also point out that we, through part of this initiative, is we now are offering stipends. So if you want to drive but just need a little extra assistance to, to pay for the gas in your vehicle, that's why we have the stipend available option. How much stipend are we talking about? Would it be enough, for example, to cover the cost of gasoline for a trip to Marquette so, and back? So what we're doing is just a simple flat rate, $10 for a local trip, $50 to Barragon back, and then $100 to go to Marquette and back. Okay, so folks can sign up and at least it's not going to cost them money out of pocket anymore. Correct. To do this for their neighbors. Um this, I remember when it first started, was just local to Houghton and Hancock, Calumet and such. You have expanded it a lot over the years. How far out now do you work? We go as far as Marquette. Okay, but and, and if what areas do you cover for people to call and get transportation? So the local area, so we're talking about um, Houghton, Hancock, um, the, the range towns up in the north end, Calumet, Amik. Mohawk, so Houghton, Keweenaw counties, Baraga County, and then with transportation to Marquette. Okay, Ontonagon County, you haven't been able to open up that yet. We uh, haven't, but we want to. We I, know I there's know a you've need. Been talking about it. Then. So <laughs> as soon as we have drivers who sign up in the Ontonagon area, then we can open that up. And you have services in Marquette, but this is not something you've opened up there yet either? No, Marquette is in a really good position where they have agencies who are helping with medical transportation. Okay, so you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Exactly. Um, we do provide some occasional transportation for our elderly friends who we visit in the home all year long. Um, just That's a program that we provide as an element of the visiting program. Um, but typically, um, we can refer them to the agencies who are already doing it. Okay. Now, if somebody needs a ride, how do they get one? So the easiest thing to do is just call our office. What kind of advance notice do you need? You know, especially when it, because we're volunteer-based and we're looking for volunteers and we have to make those arrangements with the volunteers, three to five business days is ideal. But um, our medical transportation coordinator does his best to be able to find a driver for any last-minute requests. Yeah, and I suppose there are times maybe when the other plan falls through and, you know, the neighbor was going to, but now the neighbor is sick and can't do it and suddenly. So if you can't give the notice, call Little Brothers. You'll do your best. Still call. We'll do our best. You'll do your best. Now, if I want to volunteer to provide this service, how do I do that? Again, just start by with a phone call. Um, we also have um, on our website... And a volunteer application. That's always the first step is to fill out a volunteer application. Let us know what you're interested in volunteering for, what programs. And then once we know, then you will be invited to an orientation 
subsequent training, and then we'll get you on the road. Do I have to pass a background check? Do I have to, I mean, if, we're, if I'm driving people around, do you have to check to see if I've got DUIs or a whole bunch of traffic crashes on my record or something like that that you wouldn't want me to carry our elderly neighbor friends? So, so absolutely. We want to make sure that we have safe and conscientious drivers. We, we need to be really careful with the people that we're driving. So yes, we do ask all volunteers to go through a background check. Any kind of vehicle requirements? The, the what really what's comfortable for people to get in and out of okay because yeah we're talking about elderly folks sometimes it's really challenging for them to i remember my mom in her later years uh, certain cars she could get into certain cars she couldn't get into um, so that's something i suppose that does need to be taken into account right so don't let that stop you from volunteering though because um, if you have a truck and that's not something that you can use to transport an elderly friend Little Brothers has a very small fleet of vehicles, particularly um, wheelchair-accessible vans. So maybe you can't drive your own vehicle, but maybe you would be willing to be trained on one of our wheelchair-accessible vans. That was actually going to be my next question. I know that there are people who have mobility problems, sometimes in a wheelchair, sometimes with walkers, things of that nature. Uh, what responsibility might I, as a driver, have to make sure that I can help that person in and out? And do I get a little training to make sure that I do it properly and don't drop them in the process? Yes, yeah, so we provide something called door-through-door -door service. So we are asking volunteers to go to the, the door of the elderly uh, person and, and greet them at the door and, and help them back to the car. We offer standby assistance. So we're, we're just basically, it's mostly hands-free. Um, maybe verbal guidance to say, you know, watch for that rock, there's a crack in the sidewalk. But uh, we're really not expecting volunteers to do a lot of heavy lifting or transferring. When an elderly passenger needs more assistance, then that's why we have the wheelchair accessibility. How challenging does this get in the winter if you've got a homebound elderly person and maybe they haven't been able to get out and shovel that sidewalk and all of a sudden they have to get out in their wheelchair or with their walker? That is a challenge. So um, we don't run across it too often, but on the occasions that we have, um, we've had volunteers willing to just quickly sweep off their, their porch or, or quickly shovel their path. But our, again, like our medical transportation coordinator knows our elderly passengers and he does his best to facilitate all of that before the driver even arrives. And let's face it, this is neighbors helping neighbors. Uh, this is not uh, somebody who's being obligated. If you show up and you see that there's something you could do, most volunteers, I suspect, would say, hey, I can handle that. Exactly. But know that if you're interested in volunteering, that that's not an obligation you have to fulfill. You just have to simply pick up the phone and call the coordinator and say, hey, this is an issue that I've come across and, and we'll help from there. Talking with Carol Corpola, she's the director of Little Brothers Friends of the Elderly. Again, if you want to volunteer to help out in that transportation service, call the Little Brothers office or fill out the application at the Little Brothers website. Things are getting colder in the Copper Country. We had some very toasty weather well into October there, and we all began to think that maybe it was going to last all winter, but by golly, it's not going to. You are again providing firewood for elderly folks who need heating assistance. Yes, another direct service we've been providing since the very beginning. Um, this is something where our elderly friends, they can't make their own wood anymore. 
and it's still their primary source of heat. And so we um, have been doing this for many years. Is this unusual in terms of organizations such as yours? I mean, there are a lot of organizations here in the area that will help out with your natural gas bill, with your electric bill. Um, I would think, though, that amongst organizations such as yours, relatively few of them have firewood programs. Definitely within the Little Brothers family. Yeah. So, so they don't need it in San Francisco. <laughs> no, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> but, um, but there are other firewood banks throughout the country where, where it's needed. Um, so it's not really unique, but it's unique to, to our community, and it's unique to the Little Brothers community. And I think there are probably a lot of people who live in larger cities, areas downstate or other areas of the country, that are surprised to find out that there are a lot of people who live in this area who get most of their winter heat from firewood. People are always surprised about this program of ours. How much firewood do you go through in a winter? So um, we probably do about 160 deliveries of wood each year. How big is a delivery? About a, a pickup truck load. Pickup truck load, okay. Um, and, and that serves how many different, uh, different clients? Like 90 to 100 elderly friends. Okay, so some of them get their wood from elsewhere but need a little help. Some of them need more help. I Absolutely. So, and, and to clarify, um, this is a supplemental program. So we're not um, positioning ourselves to provide their entire winter's worth, but to help them offset their, their costs. And, you know, firewood is available. You can buy it. Um, you, you can call, there are a lot of people who make firewood and sell it, but it's not inexpensive anymore. Right, right. So we're, we're, there's so many reasons why our elderly friends need firewood assistance from Little Brothers. It's, it's, it's the financial um, you know, it's it's taking away from their food budget if they have to buy it. It's it's that they can no longer get in the woods themselves to make it. So so there's many reasons why we do it. And in some cases, it cuts down on the natural gas bill or Absolutely. the electric bill because if you can supplement that heat with your firewood heat, uh, then you pay less money out for those things and you can use that money for food, for medicine, things of that nature. We know the challenges that a lot of our neighbors on fixed incomes have. Yes, exactly. Where does the wood come from? So we have some great local partners, um, Longyear. In fact, we... Um, work with Northern Hardwoods and, and JML Forestry, um, other, other firewood processors in the area um, for donations. And then we also purchase logs. So, um, you know, we're always looking for donations to help us purchase those logs, purchase equipment for the program, um, help offset all of those expenses too. You purchase logs. Logs. Obviously, you can't deliver logs and stuff them in somebody's wood stove. Logs have to be cut down and split. Who does that? Volunteers. So primarily um, students from Michigan Tech. Um, before Finlandia closed, we would have Finlandia students, other student groups and organizations. It's a great team project because it's a lot of work to cut and split firewood. I have cut and split a lot of firewood <laughs> in my lifetime, and I can attest that this is so. This, for some of these Michigan Tech students who maybe have come up from Detroit or Chicago or someplace like this, this has to be an education for them. And a challenge. I think they're always up for the challenge and to <laughs> see like who can cut and split the most in a short period of time. Yeah, I was always uh, impressed with my grandfather, who could split 
Wood as well as anybody I ever saw with just one swing of the axe. He just knew where to put it. He could whop, and I'd be whop, 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 whop. Oh, get the wedges out. He would just sit there with that axe going whoop, 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 and suddenly he's got six pieces out of that thing. <laughs> I would imagine that this is a bit of a challenge for it's, some of these kids who've never handled this equipment before. It's a learning experience, but um, our coordinator of that program is great, and she provides the training. She provides the safety equipment. Uh, and, and yeah, it might take them a few swings to get the hang of it, but it doesn't take long. No, it, it, it comes yeah. <laughs> and, and there's always wedges if you really, need, <laughs> <laughs> really need to get there. Um, do, do you actually go high tech? Do you have like a wood splitter? We do like have yeah, some wood so. splitters. Yes. <laughs> That's cheating. To help facilitate that. That's just cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Although I confess, um, our family had one for a long time as well. Obviously, this wood needs to be delivered. You need volunteers to help with that. Yes. So, so this is something where the students are available on the weekends, but when it comes time to deliver, generally it's just one or two people who need to go fill up the truck and, and deliver it in the whole, in Keweenaw County area. So, yes, if you're interested in something like that, yes, it's a it's a little bit of labor, but again, we provide the training. Well, and does this take a little bit different volunteer than some of the uh, driving responsibilities and such? I mean, if I'm an elderly person and in good health, I can drive somebody to a doctor's appointment. I may not be up to filling a pickup truck with lumber, uh, with the firewood and then delivering it and then unstacking it for somebody. Right. So yes, you need to be physically able to to move that wood, uh, fill the truck and, and unload it at the elder's home. So if I want to volunteer to help with this, how do I do it? Same, same thing. So we want you to go to our website, fill out that online application or call us and um, we can get you a paper one too. But um, everybody, no matter how they volunteer, starts with filling out that volunteer application, going through an orientation and then the, the subsequent specific training for whatever you signed up for. And if I'm a senior who needs some help, how do I get it? Call. Call us, 906-482-6944. And again, you can't provide their entire winter's worth of wood supply necessarily, but you can help fill up the bin and make yes. sure that uh, hopefully it doesn't run out by the end of the winter. Yes. So. So now we are, as we broadcast this, less than six weeks away from Thanksgiving and less than about 10 weeks away from Christmas. And Little Brothers is well known for those wonderful dinners that you prepare for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. Planning already underway, I assume? Absolutely. We started a month ago. <laughs> um, it, it definitely is a, a lot of work to plan. We are planning on 10 sites this year. So with COVID, we had to make some adjustments. But now that we're on the backside of that, um, we're bringing back, we're really excited to bring back our tapiola site, which we which we weren't able to provide during during the pandemic. The Dolly Center there? The Dolly Center, yes. Nice facility there. They it's have. a very nice facility. And um, my predecessors, Mike and Kathy Ayton, um, are spearheading bringing that back. So that's going to be a, a help. How many seniors can you accommodate for these dinners here? And I know you do them in Marquette as well, and we don't have any listeners in Marquette, but certainly the uh, Keweenaw and Houghton and Ontonagon County sites. How many seniors can you accommodate? Well, in these four counties, about 800 elders. And you hit that goal pretty consistently. Always, usually 
over. Um, we, we're doing about 200 meals in, in Marquette, so easily over 1,000 meals each holiday. Wow. That takes a lot of turkey and a lot of ham. That's that's <laughs> a lot of turkey and ham, and, and that's just the elders we serve. So I just want, for anybody interested in volunteering, this is uh, an atmosphere where we want volunteers to join us and eat too. So we're making enough food for the volunteers. Okay. When you're coming to serve a meal, we want you to, after the serving is done, we want you to come in and sit down with the elders, visit, and enjoy your own turkey dinner. The visit thing, that's such an important part of this, isn't it? That's the most important part of it. It's not putting food in somebody's stomach. It's the fact that these seniors, many of whom are isolated, many of whom don't get out much, they don't have family perhaps in the area, it's a matter of keeping them alert and talking with folks. It, it, it's mentally healthy. Yeah, it's keeping them connected to their community. So... Um, you know, if you've been used to planning big family meals and then your kids moved away and your spouse died, there's no joy in making a meal for one person. No. And and there's no joy in spending a holiday alone. And so that's why we do these community meals so people can get out, come join us at the meal site, visit with all the volunteers and your peers at the site, celebrate the holiday um, with people. And I know that there are families who make this a tradition each year, they volunteer to do this as a family activity. There are single people that I know who volunteer. Um, it's something that can be worked into your holiday routine and be very rewarding, I would think, as a volunteer. Yes, um, volunteers of all ages. We have families who bring their young children, uh, teaching them about um, helping the community. Uh, we have many, many volunteers who take lead roles and have for many years. And I will just put out there that, um, you know, as some of our volunteers are retiring from their volunteer role, that that we, we need people to step up and take that leadership role. So if you love to cook, this is one of our biggest needs is to... Um, start training with our lead volunteer cooks, learn the process, learn the ropes, that maybe this is something you'd be interested in taking a lead role. How do you cook that many meals? <laughs> a lot of teamwork. <laughs> um, so so literally, we ha we'll have a crew of six to eight cooks in the kitchen, peeling potatoes, chopping veggies, um, slicing the turkey. It all happens that morning. So this is something that somebody who is not a trained chef can help with. I mean, I'm, I'm a basically okay cook, but I can peel potatoes. I can chop carrots. Absolutely. You know, if you if you want to help and you're just not sure how, and you're willing to peel some potatoes and chop carrots, somebody's going to be there. We have lead volunteers there who will give you direction. You don't need to be Emeril Lagasse to <laughs> help out with this. No. Where does the food come from? This is a ton of food. The community. So thank you to the community because they provide all of this food. Whatever we don't get donated, then, of course, we go and purchase. But um, literally, we go to our local businesses and, and ask that, you know, can you provide butter? You know, we go through, we go through lots of pounds of butter on each holiday. Um, the turkeys themselves, we, um, the potatoes, it's all thanks to the community. And does this come then from, from stores? You go out to the, the various grocery stores, food service places, 
and, and get some there. And I know that we in the past, have, we're doing the run up to it. Uh, I get a call and say, hey, we still need eight turkeys or something like <laughs> that. Is it difficult to take individual food donations like that because you get one kind of turkey, another kind of turkey, another kind of turkey? And uh, uh, it, does that become a challenge? No, no, it's not a challenge at all. We'll have uh, two, two pounds of butter walk in one day and, and four gallons of apple cider walk in the next day. Um, so it doesn't matter if it's not the same brand or the same size or anything like that. We make it work. Okay. But I will give one caveat for, for the turkeys. Um, rather than having them um, come in individually, we're going to pre-order them. Um, we, we have some... Um, restrictions that Michigan Tech has normally been able to help us uh, pre-cook all of those and that's not available to this to us this year. Oh really? So oh. so we're going to be uh, ordering those in bulk. And okay. so we're going to be looking for monetary donations to help us purchase the turkeys. Well, and frankly, that seems to me probably the best way to support this under any circumstances is if you want to support these dinners, write a check, make a financial donation. You guys can then go out and buy whatever specifically you need to make this work. Yes, it goes a long way. Instead of going to the store and buying a turkey, take that money and give it to Little Brothers and you can donate through the website? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, a few years ago, I recall that you could pretty much just stop in at one of those sites and get fed. Uh, it has become more now a matter of making sure that you call in advance and reserve a spot. Yes, please, please call and reserve a spot. Um, if you want to volunteer, it's always best if you pre-register. Uh, if you decide last minute that you can volunteer, um, call the office because we know exactly where the remaining needs are. Yes, Yes, and, and as a volunteer, you want to go where you are needed. You don't want to just show up someplace and say, well, I guess we could put you someplace. <laughs> yes, yeah. and then, then, then for the elders who want to attend, um, anybody who's attended in the past gets a personalized invitation in the mail. Okay, so be watching for those. And if you want to know more about Little Brothers, go to the website and find out how to either get services or volunteer to provide services. And Carol Corpola, thank you so much for coming in on Copper Country Today. Thanks for having me. Thank you.